welcome to Radical Being. In today's show, I'm talking about conscious relationship. And I share a little bit of my own journey in discovering what is conscious relationship. And I share what I view as levels of relationship or layers or even spheres of relationship from a less conscious or even unconscious, very unaware, basic level of relationship to an increasingly conscious relationship where partners are committed to their growth and possibly a spiritual path and a level beyond that where the relationship itself becomes the transforming journey. There are more than a few paradigm-shifting perspectives in today's show. And here's just one. What if a relationship or marriage isn't about happiness, but transformation? And here's another. I often say in coaching and earlier podcasts, life continually shows you where you're not free. And for most people, that's the realm of relationship. Ready to get radical? Let's dive in. Greetings and welcome to Radical Being. I've been saying since the second or third show that one day I'm going to do a show on conscious relationship. And today is the day. I want to preface the episode, though, with think this is a huge topic, conscious relationship. What what is that? And maybe maybe there'll have to be a second follow up, but we'll at least skim the surface in today's, although it's definitely not superficial. Everything is relationship in life. Quantum view, electrons only come into being the minute they interact. The, the universe arguably forms solely by being in relationship at the quantum level and everything macroscopic above that. If one way to look at it, I occasionally put my toe into the quantum, I'll pull back from that and keep it on the <laughs> relational, Newtonial, seemingly physical reality today. My own journey to conscious relationship probably began 15 years ago. I am going to jump around a little bit here with, with two books, and then we'll hopefully find our way to the heart of conscious relationship. I, at that time, had been with my partner for 16 years, and we were living in London and took a hiatus. I moved back to the States to my spiritual touchstone of Santa Fe and Taos. And there were many reasons for that separation. And as I'll share a little bit later, we had a fair amount of skills, interpersonal skills, but our relationship was definitely not that conscious. I didn't even know what such a thing was. And I, this is the two books I'm referencing is I just released in December a new book, Where Two Worlds Touch, An Outsider's Memoir in England. And that is 
the story essentially of coming back to my partner. And, and I wrote it years ago, and it's, it's just finally made its way into the world. And I've touched on that in previous podcasts. It is the story of coming back to my partner and re-entering relationship in a conscious way. The, my first book, The Bones and Breath, which I began writing when I came back to England to assist my partner initially, my then ex-partner, who was back from the brink of death after a life-threatening illness, and began writing. We eventually moved to the English countryside, and I began writing what became my first book, and which, when it finally emerged in the world, was called The Bones and Breath, A Man's Guide to Eros, the Sacred Masculine, and the Wild Soul. And it later won a Nautilus Book Award for Personal Transformation and Self-Growth, or Self-Growth, Personal Transformation, whatever that title is. So I had taken a year apart from Robert, and in that time received really a lot of insight into myself. And I'll say something later in the show about we can learn on our own, but the only place we transform our patterns is in relationship. Insights are useful, but where those actually transform and why it's that way is in relationship. And in that first manuscript for what became the Bones and Breath, there was a chapter on conscious relationship, which arose out of my own insights during that year apart. And the things that came from some wise souls during that time, one of which was a three three-stage model, maybe that's not quite the right languaging, but um, I had come across in, 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 in a book a, a conversation with Ram Das, the noted spiritual teacher, and he was talking about three levels of relationship. And, and not necessarily he used the word conscious relationship, but that's sort of what leapt out to me that, oh, these levels increase in consciousness. And really, until that point, despite having some some workable skills, <laughs> not always using them, but workable skills, not really even being aware that a conscious relationship could exist. Until you know such a thing is possible or can exist, it's a much longer journey to get there. If you have an idea of where you're going or where you want to go, it's an easier road. So, I wrote a chapter on conscious relationship that was definitely my own insights and learning on that. And sort of, as I said, jumping around a little bit, by the time that book, um, flash forward several years, the journey to get that first book published, and I ended up essentially cutting it in half, a, a lovely, as in kind and generous New York literary agent who didn't end up representing the book, but gave me some very sage advice Part of it being, this manuscript is 500 pages long and nobody's going to read it. You're unknown. You have no platform. Cut it in half and you'll have a better chance. And at the time, I thought, I, I can't cut this in half. This is a soul manifesto. And yet a little voice said, this woman knows book publishing. She's a New York literary agent, a successful one, who was generous enough, generous enough to read my proposal and so I said about, it wasn't sequential. I couldn't just cut it in half. Um, the, and P 
piecing together what felt like a coherent first book and realizing, oh, well, the remaining chapters also work as a second book. But one of the chapters that was relegated to that next book was the chapter on conscious relationship. And the when The Bones and Breath came out, and I chose to sort of, it wasn't originally written that way, but to sculpt that then, and the publisher and I both chose to do this as a men's book. And I'm going somewhere with this, actually, believe it or not. What I have long said about The Bones and Breath is that it's cleverly disguised as a men's book. Many of the book's most vocal supporters and enthusiasts and people who've reached out to me have been women, and they say, this isn't just a men's book. I say, you're right. <laughs> and what I say about the new book, Where Two Worlds Touch, is it's cleverly disguised as a memoir. The rear jacket copy says it's a genre-defying memoir, one part love story, one part celebration of the table, because I am a Paris train chef, among other things I've done in this life. One part ode to nature, and one part soul guide. And to me, that soul guide and love story is essentially that much earlier chapter of conscious relationship, reborn in an evolutionary way. I never did publish that second remainder of the manuscript. By the time The Bones and Breath came out in the world, which was you know, four, almost five years after I wrote it, and then things moved slowly in the publishing world and whatnot, um, the view was just so much wider. And when it was finally time, and then we wanted to give the first book time for traction, and by the time I sat with that manuscript and think, okay, is this the next book? I thought, wow, the view is so much wider now. So that's sort of a backstory of my own journey to begin, what is conscious relationship? And maybe where I want to go with this today is I, I hold that there are three, well, arguably four, but I'm not going to touch on the fourth other than say that I think there is a fourth level and it has to do with embodiment. Three workable layers or levels, Level sometimes doesn't quite work for me. I don't think of it hierarchically, but it's a useful word. I, I actually think of most everything in life as widening spheres, each encompassing the one within it, sort of like rings of a tree, progressively wider and wider, containing everything within it, but more expansive. That first level of we might call it just basic relationship, common relationship, and it's where we all start. That's my relationship for 15 years before moving on to something more conscious with the same person. I've now been with my lovely man for more than 30 years, but arguably because we began moving into a conscious relationship. That is definitely its own journey. But that first Basic, provisional might be a word. I often, if you've listened to other podcasts or maybe you feel inclined to after this, the provisional self, I talk about it, the version one sort of inauthentic caterpillar stage self. That, of course, is what we're bringing to relationship because that's where most people are and that's their level of relationship. It's 
and that sort of common level of relationships where we all start, they're almost always, they really come out of our sort of basic human desires and needs, attraction and companionship and intimacy and sex and shelter and safety and belonging and whatnot, whatnot. They're also very heavily loaded <laughs> or laden with our projections, attraction, our expectations, our particular belief matrix. That's refer you to a couple of earlier podcasts. And, and in that, there's only a certain amount of self-awareness. I don't want to say it's possible, but the sort of it defines and sort of determines the relationship. The level of self-awareness of both parties keeps it at that sort of common basic level. We all start there. Nobody gets to start a conscious relationship working through our patterns. And you could perhaps loosely draw an analogy because relationship is just our belief matrix interacting with somebody else's to in previous shows, I think the second or third episode is um, becoming free and another episode where I've shared a three stage model of awareness. And that episode is shadow gift and service, you, you could draw definitely a correlation between these three levels of relationship. I don't think of them as as those same levels, but there is a correlation to the level of awareness there. And in that basic level of relationship and self-awareness, it's a social identity. As I said, it's, it's provisional, it's entirely ego bound. It's, it's held entirely by what we have assimilated from our family and culture and society and all of which we're mostly unconscious of. It is really an unconscious level of relationship or very low awareness. And sort of a, and in that there's often a sort of a keyword with that social prov provisional self is often, or it, the keyword I use is victimhood. Right? It's not my fault. Men are this way or women are this way, or I always pick the wrong person or why does this always happen to me? It's sort of relationships don't work out. There's that slight or maybe quite pronounced, sometimes victim mentality and this and we all start there, a shadow level of consciousness, sort of our lowest base level. And as I said, we're coming together in that relationship from that sort of lowest base level of human desires. And when things, you know, go sideways, as they're likely to at that level, and from after a few months or a few years, like, well, this isn't working out, you know, he's not the right guy, or she's not the right gal, or this or that, or their stuff or back to our generalities about, you know, man or women or gender or relationship, et cetera, et cetera. And I touched earlier too, that my partner and I had some skills, which most people don't, frankly, you know, in high school, we learned things like geometry and algebra and how useful are those for most of us? Not so much. I often ruminate, <laughs> well, the world might be a different place if we learn things in high school, like how to balance your checkbook or effective interpersonal communication skills, but, but no. And so just as with life, whether that's coping skills or adaptability or people don't have a lot of skill in relationship. So 
of course it goes sideways and doesn't work out. And yet, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I'll toss it in here. Something I say again and again and again, clients, coaching, and haven't said it in a while on a podcast, so it's probably due here. Life continually shows you where you're not free. It will bring you the people, the situations, circumstances, the relationships, whatever is needed to show you you're not free here. And in my view, that's, that's what happens, and it's an invitation. Okay, there's a learning here. There's an evolution here that's needed. If we're willing to, something switches, there's a little like flick the switch, and we can move out of that sort of victimhood, social identity level. Why does this always happen to me? To that next level of awareness. Okay, what do I need to learn here? And that is mirrored exactly in moving to that next level of a relationship. During that year hiatus from my partner in New Mexico, and um, or maybe it was when I came back and I was working on that chapter for conscious relationship, I had come across a quote by the noted mythologist Joseph Campbell. And I've looked for it since, and I, and I no longer even have that manuscript, so I can't reference it exactly. And I haven't been able to find that exact quote, but he said several things quite similar. But essentially, he said, People think marriage is about happiness. Marriage isn't about happiness. Marriage is about transformation. And transformation is seldom a painless or easy process. Process, as I say. That is a significant shift in consciousness. Say, relationship is about transformation. And that's the hallmark of what I would consider that second level of relationship, which is moving into a conscious relationship. The awareness that both partners have, I'd say that's pretty much required at some point to move, it's definitely required to move into a conscious relationship. But in some way, shape, or form, both partners understand the relationship is about transformation. Okay, we've got this stuff to work out. I, I love you deeply, but we've got this stuff to work out. And Hopefully, we're going to work it out. Both people, on some level, um, are committed to their their growth, maybe even a spiritual path. And those certainly they don't have to share a spiritual path at all. It's sort of, but both people are committed to growth, and somehow realizing, okay, the relationship is bringing up stuff. Maybe I've got some stuff to work on, <laughs> a lot, and it's not just you; it's me. That's a very key piece. I know many people have worked with people and one partner will say, I don't have anything to work on. It's your stuff. Okay, red flag. So the relationship is the ground for transformation. And maybe again, stitching to that second stage of in that three stage model of human awareness, as I call it, we could we could call this uh, well, Robert Keegan, the Harvard sociologist, might call this not about relationship per se, but um, self, self-transforming or um, self-authoring. It's that I think of it as the self-help level. If I get the right tools, I can fix the problem. The problem being this relationship, or maybe we're still trying to fix them or ourselves or all of it. I get the right tools, the right coach, the right therapist, the right self-help book, the right program, 
we can fix this. And that is a far more empowered place than that common provisional level one relationship. Okay, what's the gift here? What's the gift in this, this struggle we're facing, this system that we keep getting stuck in? What do we need to learn to shift this? This, this is the road to conscious relationship. Doing the work, just like our personal journey. That is the invitation to evolve personally, to do the work. We all have so much to excavate <laughs> the work of personal archaeology. And life is relationship. The, let's say something maybe about skills. I touched on that. Um, and sort of a paradox, I think. It is all of our, if you want, our character strategies, our core material, our quote wounds, issues, all of those formed in relationship with our family of origin. Even if you're adopted like me and you, you still have a family of origin, even if it's an adopted one. And here's, here's the rub. Because our core material formed in relationship, our, our map of the world by which we navigate and the missed developmental steps or whatever else, Lots of different ways we could look at that, different languaging. We only transform it in relationship. So while you can gain definitely some insight, like I'm going to leave this relationship, it's not you, it's me, or whatever we want to say about that, and take some time off and some soul searching and it's just too much work or whatever that propels us, we can gain deep insight, perhaps, if we're depending on our level of rigorous self-honesty and, and self-awareness. And, and that certainly was the case for me in my taking that year hiatus after 16 years with Robert. A lot of introspective time alone in New Mexico. And, and yet, no matter how much insight we have, awareness is key. We have to have the awareness. I often say in coaching or podcasts and videos, awareness is like, the golden key ring that holds all the other keys. And yet awareness of the pattern, necessary first step, doesn't shift it in and of itself. So people spend years in therapy. I've spent years in therapy. Both my parents were therapists. <laughs> I was a joke, I was doomed to any sort of normal upbringing with two therapists. And yet you can talk about your stuff forwards, backwards, inside out, upside down, through and through. And yet that doesn't change it. And it's only by being back in relationship with that person or a new person that the opportunity arises to shift it. Because it's only in relationship then where we're triggered. Here's that core material that's triggered suddenly by that thing you just said or this situation. And the opportunity here then is first to take a breath because that briefly short circuits it. And in that moment, you have the opportunity to make a choice. In that brief moment, rather than just being swept down that old neural pathway, that well-worn groove of behavior, to make a different choice and to perhaps not shut down or not, I'm going to hurt you back because you just hurt me, tit for tat, and, or whatever the pattern is. You only get that opportunity because you're triggered in relationship. Back to... A conscious relationship is 
as a quote from my book, the, the recent book, Where Two Worlds Touch, relationship is the fiery cauldron or the crucible wherein we're melted down and possibly reforged or like alchemy melted down to our base materials like base metals of lead hopefully transmute into something like gold but the melting down is a part of it and in that lower level relationship we're like well this isn't working right this you're obviously the wrong person, same old, same old, right? That second level transforming relationship, a much more conscious relationship, right? This is what it's about. Okay, here's the opportunity to rewire that and do it differently. To, I wouldn't not necessarily align totally with this languaging, but it's sort of what's coming to mind, to heal that wound, to repattern it, to write sort of a different map of reality and relationship. That's the opportunity and its work. That is the path of conscious relationship. Another sort of, I don't want to say it's a skill, but since I'm sort of talking about skills there, two of the things popped to mind. One is an insight that this is also in the new book that I share, an insight that arose for me in that year alone. And it's it's a golden key to freedom, my friends. And it is that criticism doesn't build love. It only erodes it. Criticism doesn't build love, full stop. And that was definitely part of my own journey. Definitely for the first 15 years, I was very critical in ways of, of Robert. And really, that's my own criticism of myself. I, for much of my life, have been deeply critical of myself. And that's kind of a episode a ways back now called the mother of maladies and my 30 years as a healer in various modes of that i am absolutely what i see quite clearly is the underlying malady for everyone is self-loathing and my own self-loathing came out in ways of criticism of myself and criticism of my partner and that does not build love full stop as i said i also Actually, even before that separation, we we had several useful tools. I, you know, we had some effective communication skills. I, I grew up with two therapists, and um, we didn't always use those skills. And then in my own journey to become a body-centered therapist and Hakomi training, something that's now called sensory motor, um, sensory motor psychotherapy, Hakomi Integrative Somatics, now that and learning about character strategy and patterns and systems and attachment theory and useful tools, emotional attunement as, as an empath, that's sort of a natural thing, emotional attunement, but, but that's another really powerful and useful skill. And, but in that training years ago in Hakomi Integrative Somatics, I had a, a wonderful teacher who became a dear friend and his specialty was couples therapy. And he was talking about, I don't remember the context of it, a long time ago, it was 25 years ago now, but he would have couples do this exercise because they've come to him, they're working out their stuff and here's the bone of contention or this or that and this. And he would have them sit facing each other and bring up the topic that seemed to be, you know, the thorn in the side, the whatever. And one would have to say to the other, though maybe the one that was having the most charge around it, I want you to do it my way. And 
is it, you know, almost invariably in this exercise, one or the other will begin to smile or laugh because they realize without me telling them, this is really what the core of it is. I want you to do it my way. Whether that's with endless examples, you know, tell me you love me, tell me I'm pretty, leave me alone when I'm angry, put the toilet seat down, don't leave the tea bag in the sink, balance the checkbook, you know, <laughs> all the things that can be the thorn in the side for relationships, a very long list. And the skill that I got from that teacher, that insight is that, and this is what he would give to couples, there isn't a right way or a wrong way. There's just your way and my way. And both are right. And neither are right. And in that, if you can reframe that, it's like, well, okay, that's your way. Even if it's wrong, <laughs> which is what my partner and I would often joke about. Okay, that's your way of doing it. Even if it's wrong. The, <laughs> and, and have a laugh and chuckle. And often that would just sort of diffuse it and say, oh, right. Okay, here we are. Not a right way. Or in, my, in my view, there isn't a right or wrong to anything. There's simply that different perspective. Reality is your perspective. And that right there can be a game-changing skill to bring to your relationship more consciousness. There isn't a right or a wrong way for anything. There's just your way, my way, their way. A lot I could say about sort of the agreements we have about relationships and the expectations and how relationships should look and from everything to questions of monogamy or polyamory or just it's skimming the surface today with conscious relationship um so our patterns form in relationship and that's where we transform them and criticism doesn't build love full stop that third level of relationship, sphere, phase, however we want to conceptualize it. And this began to crystallize for me in that year apart. I had a beautiful, luminous, lucent friend. She's no longer on the planet. I've, I've mentioned her in a couple podcasts. She was such a light in my life and truly a teacher for me. And she, we were talking about relationship and consciousness, a, a very aware soul. And she said, loving Eileen, who was her partner at the time, this was in Taos, New Mexico, where she happened to be living with her partner and where I had returned from London. She said, loving Eileen is my spiritual path to learn about unconditional love. That is such an aware statement. And it wasn't just a platitude, a statement. It was her conviction. She was that sort of person. And to me, that encapsulates that, if it could be encapsulated, that third level of really moving into truly conscious relationship. Whereas that second level is, okay, this is the crucible for our transformation and growth. That third level is the relationship itself is the vehicle for learning about unconditional love. A spiritual journey, if you will. You can add that word spiritual or not, depending on your personal belief system, whether that aligns for you. The relationship itself is the vehicle for learning about unconditional love. 
I would say that since I did it with the other two, if we wanted to stitch a loose connection back to those three stage model about highs and, you know, there's fewer and fewer people at each level, sort of like ascending the pyramid. Very few people are at the level of this conscious relationship where the relationship itself is the journey to unconditional love. And not that you're perfectly enlightened in that stage. Of course, you're still working through your patterns and your partner still has their patterns. But at this level, perhaps you're no longer trying to fix them. I would say there is a hallmark of this level. I jumped boat, I'm saying, to that other model. This was the level of self-transforming. That um, shadow gift and service, you could call this level service or it aligns with that love purpose a higher purpose that this well forgiveness is essential it is absolutely fundamental and essential in a truly conscious relationship one of my early medicine teachers a ayahuasca shaman he used to always say at the outset of of ceremony waiting for the medicine to come on and he would often talk about forgiveness and he and shame and other things that everybody's there to work on in some level. But he would say, forgiveness, when we forgive someone, we're never condoning the act. We're simply forgiving the person and ourself. And I have always carried that with me. And I think that's absolutely true here at this, that third level of conscious relationship. Forgiveness is fundamental and essential because here's something that you could consider it a skill or it's just for me, it's a truth. Love is never punitive or vindictive. Never. Punitive and vindictive, that, that's our woundedness. You know, you've hurt me or you hurt back or you know, love hurts. No, love only heals. But the things that hurt our, our woundedness, our patterns, or, well, kind of go down a rabbit hole with that, but love is never punitive or vindictive. And that conscious relationship is always about forgiveness, not condoning the act, we're forgiving the person and forgiving ourselves. This is essential. I, I worked with a couple who had done several medicine journeys and theogenic journeys to their credit to try to shift their awareness in their relationship a lot of patterns they're stuck in and i i said to them after the third or fourth integration session that i did with them and i said it's so clear that you love each other deeply they were kind of like the bickersons <laughs> and it's so clear that you love each other deeply and i think you could be lifers but you have to stop wounding each other. And that is another piece about conscious relationship. And probably we won't get there till you get to that highest level. But essentially, you have to lay down the sword in conscious relationship. You have to stop wounding each other. And you have to forgive. <clears throat> Everything is relationship in life. Everything. And to me, the friendships work, everything, it, it's everything related. The relationship between all the cells in your body that make up the organism that 
you identify as you. Relationship with the air that you breathe. Everything is relationship. And the invitation, as I see it, along with our personal work, is to become more conscious of relationship overall. More conscious of all the relationships in our life. The... I was thinking one, two other things maybe about that highest level of discounting the fourth that's about embodiment, but the third level of conscious embodiment here, sort of a touching towards Tantra. At that conscious level, Tantra speak two things really are sort of objectives of, of Tantra. One is transcending the duality of separateness and looking into your beloved's eyes and in their eyes seeing the, the capital B, beloved, universe, source, God, the one, and knowing that they are that and that you are that and that so many of the tantra practices are about experiencing that oneness together as one, transcending the duality of separateness and that all is one. And aside from tantra speak, I would say, and, and that is the journey of conscious relationship, seeing the capital B, Beloved, in your human Beloved's eyes. And celebrating my languaging, celebrating and honoring the deep mystery of them as an embodiment of the larger mystery, who they are becoming, who you are becoming, the mystery of this being together in relationship on this journey. That's conscious relationship. At the very end of the recent book, Where Two Worlds Touch, the final chapter, I'm sitting with Robert in a, in a field, living in England, a field that abutted our little cottage in the countryside, waiting for the moon to come out, and we're having a conversation. And I, I say to him, sitting in this dark field, do you know what binary stars are? And he smiles in the darkness, sort of sensing, here's a, here's a river thing coming. <laughs> no, I, I don't. And I say, they're a beautiful phenomenon found throughout the cosmos. They are pairs of stars, each with their own center of gravity, their own light, proper star. And yet they are held by each other's gravity. And so they orbit around each other and orbiting together, each their own center of gravity and light, traveling the arc of space and time. And to me, that is an exquisite metaphor for what conscious relationship is and can be. Binary stars, two beings with their own sphere of influence, their own identity and worldview. They don't have to be merged. It doesn't have to be the same, each with their own light, yet orbiting around each other as a pair, traveling this journey of life. So much more to say. Enough for today. Thanks for joining me. I always point out that this is a video podcast. So if you're listening to me somewhere, you can find the video version on Spotify, on the show's dedicated website, radicalbeingpodcast.com. 
and I usually keep the three most recent episodes on my personal site, riverfair.com, which has information about the work I do and my books and whatnot and my literary blog and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ratings and reviews are very welcome. And this show is sort of still finding its wings and its audience. And so reviews help others consider maybe tuning into the show and then discovering their next favorite podcast on (laughs) self-awareness. And you can sign up for email notifications on my site so that you're notified whenever a new episode drops, which is bi-weekly on Thursdays. And then you never have to miss an episode of your new favorite podcast on self-awareness. Thanks for joining me for a little trip into conscious relationship. More than a few paradigm-shifting perspectives in today's show. Be well and be radical. <laughs>